Welcome to the Lean Blog Podcast. Visit our website at www.leanblog.org. Now, here's your host, Mark Graben. Hi, this is Mark Graben. Welcome to episode 185 of the podcast for September 12th, 2013. My guests today are Karen Dunn-Skinner and David Skinner, and our topic for the first time on the podcast is lean in law firms and the legal profession. David and Karen are husband and wife. They're attorneys from Quebec, and they're consultants for the firm Gimbal, where they do process improvement lean Six Sigma work with law firms. I had a chance to meet up with them in Montreal earlier this year after connecting via social media, and it's great to have them here on the podcast. I think there's a number of really interesting parallels between lean in healthcare and lean in the legal profession. You know, there are opportunities to focus on payment for value instead of activity, big opportunities to reduce waste and errors, uh, to make sure people are doing the right work for their um, job level and education level. You know, the, the way it's always been done is very powerful as a notion in both professions and the objection about, you know, but we don't make cars is very powerful as well. So uh, I think today's podcast um, serves as a really good introduction into, um, you know, the innovative work that the Skinners are doing, a handful of other people in the legal world are doing um, to help improve the legal profession. So you can find more notes and links uh, for this episode at leanblog.org slash 185. You can find all episodes at leanpodcast.org. Well, Karen and David, thank you so much for being guests on the podcast today. Thanks, Mark. It's a pleasure to be here. So if you can start off, um, I think, David, if you can go first and then Karen, introduce yourself and your background and then how you got introduced to Lean. Sure. Well, Mark, I've practiced law for more than 20 years. Uh, first, I started practicing in, in private practice. That means, you know, for a law firm in Canada and then in Europe and, and then in, in the United Kingdom out of London. And then I also worked in a senior in-house counsel role for companies, both in Montreal as well as in London. I found that this is a powerful combination of two elements, the sort of the legal and also practical corporate management experience. And that gives me a profound understanding of the challenges facing the legal profession today. And I've also practiced law also for more than 20 years, which is sometimes hard to admit. Mm -hmm. uh, initially, I was with the same large international law firm as David was. And then I went solo and I practiced as a solo practitioner uh, with focused really on corporate finance advisory work for some international clients, as well as corporate governance and risk management. And seeing a need to rethink the relationship between value and the cost of legal services, Karen and I undertook formal process improvement training. And last year, we launched Gimbal, which is our lean practice management firm. Mm -hmm. As consultants and you know, authors and speakers, as well as facilitators in the application of lean and process improvement methodologies, to both the practice and the business of law, we're now focusing on the necessity of doing more for and with less, specifically in the legal profession. And we bring a unique perspective to the challenges facing the profession because we understand exactly what it is that lawyers in private practice do, and we know the specific set of challenges that they're facing in today's rapidly changing mm -hmm. legal marketplace. So we launched Gimbal to leverage those insights, the insights we gained through our significant experience on both sides of that attorney-client relationship, as well as our formal training in business improvement. 
So we work now with law firms and in-house legal departments in Canada and in the U.S., helping them innovate and adapt to the economic constraints to today's constant pressure on headcount and performance, and to the increasing demands that they see from clients for innovation, for improved quality, for faster response times, all of which they're supposed to deliver at a much lower cost. Now, as a quick follow-up question, you talked about going and getting process improvement training. I mean, what, what, what sparked that? Because I can imagine somebody could maybe go through their entire legal career without necessarily being exposed to these ideas. I mean, what, what prompted the, you know, going out and, and doing that as an approach, learning about lean as an approach for, these, uh, you know, for facing these challenges? Well, so I, I was transitioning from, from one career as vice president, general counsel, and corporate secretary with a widely held biopharmaceutical company in, in Canada. And, you know, half of my career was in an in-house capacity. And, and I have to say, Mark, that as I looked back on my career uh, at, at that transition point, I, I came to the realization that as a purchaser of sophisticated legal services, there had to be uh, things that law firms could do differently, could do better. And as I went around talking to, to different organizations about different opportunities, I came across a Canadian law firm, uh, Borden, Ladner, Gervais, or what we call BLG. Uh, they're a national firm. And, and I had conversations with one of their senior partners, and we were talking about in-house counsel positions and the like. And at one point, he looked at me and said, you know, what would you really like to do? And I said, you know, John, what I'd like to do is go back uh, into the business side of law. I, I love the law. And I think there are a lot of things that can be done differently to better serve clients. And I'm saying that, John, because of my recent, you know, my 10 years experience as a purchaser of, of legal services. There's a lot that you guys do on your side of the equation that just doesn't mesh with my needs. Mm -hmm. And he said, that's really interesting. You know, at BLG, we're, we're actually um, taking this business improvement strategy known as lean or, or in some senses Lean Six Sigma, mm -hmm. and we're trying to adapt it and apply it to what we do to better serve our clients. And that, Mark, was the start of, that was my first introduction to Lean or Lean Six Sigma. I did some background reading, uh, spent more time with John and his team at BLG, mm -hmm. and they really put me in, in en route to, to, to where we are today. Sure. Now, and, and Karen, um, you know, in the context of you know, you're talking about economic constraints and pressures and familiar pressure uh, you know, of people in other industries, especially healthcare, are facing. How have you found that that lean methods apply within a law firm, maybe within the practice of um, legal work itself, the business sides of a firm? What what have you found? So what we're finding is that. Law firms that are looking at lean methods are really using lean to counter the significant client dissatisfaction that they see with price and the quality of legal services and the sense of loss of control that clients feel over the process, over time and cost. When you hire a lawyer, sometimes it feels like you're just opening a black box and throwing money in, and that's, that's a problem for clients, especially these days. There's also a perceived lack of transparency and accountability on the part of lawyers and their services. So we find increasingly firms are looking for ways to adapt to the changing legal landscape and Lean provides them with a foundation and a, a practice, uh, sorry, a practical framework for, for the types of innovation and practice management programs that some firms are developing. They're using it really to reduce cost, increase quality, improve their response times, which all have an impact on their competitiveness and ultimately their profitability. It, it's, it's important to note, Mark, that 
many lawyers already work with clients whose businesses depend on the application of lean and, mm -hmm. and continuous improvement. So, you know, I'm talking about businesses like in the manufacturing, the pharmaceuticals, aerospace, logistics, and engineering sectors, and increasingly service businesses such as the airline industry, banks, as you know, hospitals and healthcare, and also hospitality industry. And, and those are the clients who often are wondering why their lawyers don't use the same <laughs> business improvement strategies right. and search for the same efficiencies as they do. There's, there's no question that the global market meltdown has affected law firms profoundly. Many studies are showing that growth is flat and even declining in some practice areas and profit per equity partner growth, PE, PPEP, is one of the key metrics that law firms use when comparing themselves to their competitors, you know, how much money is each partner making, has gone from over 6% per year growth before 2008 to about 1.5% or even less mm -hmm. in some places now. And it's not just the economy that's causing law firms to look around. There are other trends that are changing the legal landscape and that are driving this increasingly urgent need to really rethink the business of law. And we're talking not, not really about the practice or not just the practice, but the actual business of law. So, so if we look at those trends, they include things like globalization, the fact that, that many law firms uh, are, are forming these international alliances uh, and, and finding themselves uh, attracting business in, in other countries. And, and the globalization is having an impact on how clients can purchase sophisticated legal services. There's also the, the notion of commoditization. Increasingly, clients are looking at their law firms as they do any other supplier or, or service provider. And essentially, they're saying, I'm looking for the best quality service at the best price. And if you can't do it for me, Mark, mm -hmm. even though I've given you work over the last 25 years, I'll find someone else who can. So commoditization is putting a lot of pressure on, on law firms. There's also excess capacity. And that's not just in terms of the number of lawyers compared with the amount of, of really good quality work in a depressed economy. But it's also in terms of the sheer number of new lawyers that are qualifying each year compared with the availability of jobs for them. And I'm, I'm talking about any jobs, not just jobs with the best law firms in, in Texas or New York or California. Mm -hmm. Another important trend is the rise in competition from the broad array of increasingly diverse, credible, and frankly, cost-effective alternatives to what we call traditional big law. An obvious manifestation of this is the boom in DIY or do-it-yourself law mm. with on on online sites that you may be familiar with, things like Rocket Matter and LegalZoom. Mm -hmm. So with its focus on separating value-adding from non-value-adding activities, Lean helps lawyers identify, evaluate, and eliminate the root causes and associated costs of waste. And there's certainly a lot of waste in the traditional practice of law. Yeah, we find that given given the main goals of Lean, with which are adding value from the client's perspective, which is sometimes a, a bit of a novelty for some clients, they they don't see value always. For, sorry, for some lawyers, they don't see value always from from the client's perspective. Uh, eliminating or reducing waste, capitalizing, having the the chance to capitalize on new opportunities, and really focusing on customer satisfaction. Lean can be applied to drive efficiencies both on the internal administrative and business side of the firm and also on the way that transactions and other legal services are managed and delivered. In short, we find that Lean is providing firms with an important framework that allows them to reconnect value with the actual cost of their legal services. Mm -hmm. 
Right, and so I mean, it seems like the the business drivers uh, for for the firms uh, are, are are pretty clear, and you know, you talk about the benefit um, to to clients. Um, can can we dig a little bit into? I mean, we talk about using lean as is 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 it a matter of looking at the culture and the management style of law firms? Is it more tactical methods to try to um, you know, for example, reduce waste and improve the turnaround time on legal work and improve quality. I'm just kind of curious if there's specific methods or, or things people would recognize from, from other industries that you're applying uh, in, in the practice of law. Well, it's really looking at eliminating waste. That's where we're starting. Mm -hmm. Clean is really new for law. So we're starting with, with the sort of the easiest way in, you know? We look at how you can eliminate waste, how you can make your processes more efficient. So, so when we talk to law firm clients, for example, in-house counsel, which I used to be, they tend to all to be saying the exact same things, Mark. They want the same great service from their lawyers, but they want that service faster and cheaper. And, and most importantly, they want predictability. They want to know at least approximately what a transaction is going to cost them up front. Now, many in-house lawyers come from big law firms, so they kind of understand that giving estimates isn't really mm -hmm. something that lawyers are very good at. Mm -hmm. But in-house counsel, the lawyers that work inside businesses, are under growing pressure from the chief financial officers to give them a budget and to stick to that budget. Yeah, imagine that you're deciding to buy a house and you need a house and it seems like a really good quality house, but nobody will tell you what it costs. The vendor would say to you, it's okay, just move in, I'll bill you later. Nobody would do that. But legal fees are often many multiples of the cost of a house and clients are always being asked exactly that. Take it now, I'll bill you later. And clients are really fed up. They're fed up with this billable hour, bill me later mm -hmm. concept. Right. And the notion that the longer I take, the more I make really has meant a legal model where there's very little incentive for efficiency and clients are increasingly unhappy with that. So, so you know, it, regarding your question, people are using lean to identify waste so that they can cut their costs and be more effective and efficient and find ways to come up with alternatives to the traditional, listen, you know, I bill 600 bucks an hour and I'll let you know how many hours I spent when we're done with, with the deal. Yeah, clients so, are really pressing, oh, go ahead. It's a, so it seems like a, a, a quote unquote lean law firm would offer more of kind of a fixed rate pricing, a set price for something that needed to be done as opposed to just hourly billing, cost based on, on value, not activity. Absolutely. That's what we're really working towards. You know, I, I don't think we're going to see the end of the billable hour in our lifetime, but I, we're getting closer and clients are really pressing lawyers to come up with alternative fee arrangements. And in, in fact, at a major legal technology conference called ILTA, I-L-T-A, that's going on this week in Las Vegas, the majority of attendees at one particular uh, speaker's conference really felt that the billable hour is finally declining. Mm -hmm. The problem is, that individual lawyers rarely know what a given transaction actually costs the firm in terms of time and resources. They also often don't know how to give an estimate because they usually just have to look at what they've done in the past. It means really because they don't know, they it's very hard to get past the charge by the hour and bill me later tradition. When they give estimates, if they give estimates, 
they don't even know what their margins are. Even the most senior partners in a firm often have no idea what their margins are. They just lack the data. And so, uh, you know, to your to your question mark, Lean offers major benefits here, right? You've got process mapping and optimization, which can give firms a much clearer picture of what the work is actually costing them. And that means that they're able to give much more accurate estimates and therefore set flat fees for their work that they know will guarantee them a decent margin. Now, add that or add to that, that by eliminating waste and optimizing workflows, they can offer clients even lower fixed fees and therefore compete more effectively. They can do so without sacrificing profit. And it's really important to acknowledge, I mean, it's common sense, but no one is willing to make less money and law is already incredibly profitable. But clients want to pay less. So the only way to balance this basic conflict is for firms to become much more efficient internally. The result would be improved quality, better response times and Mm -hmm. competitiveness, and what's relevant to the partners, ultimately, better profitability in a really challenging economic climate. Yeah, that's a great point. When law firms optimize their processes, they can significantly reduce the cost of the legal work to the firm, and therefore they can pass that on to their clients. They can improve their response times. They can cut their internal costs, which boosts their profitability right away. And these are huge benefits for firms and clients. But there's another area where lean benefits firms that that people don't always think about, and that's consistency. Hmm. Clients want consistency within a firm and across transactions. They want to know when they go back to the firm for the same type of service that they're going to get the same service, the same process, no matter which of the firm's offices they go to and no matter which lawyer is handling their file. But law firms have been really slow to implement any kind of standard work process. We have lawyers, traditionally lawyers have developed their own ways of working and they often work in silos. So the result is that a different lawyer might do your work in a completely different way. The end result may be the same. You'll get the same end result, but one lawyer's approach may take more time. And if it takes more time Uh, under the current model, it's going to cost you more. So firms can develop some standard processes, standard documentation, some checklists. They can map out a process and then use that map first to optimize the process and then use it as a transaction guide or overview and train other lawyers and support professionals. Then they can start to offer firms that, uh, sorry, offer clients that consistency. You know, that's, that's a really interesting point, Karen. It makes me think of something else. The consistency itself brings its own benefits law, um, uh, benefits to law. Mm-hmm. So. You know, law firms, they pay huge premiums for professional liability insurance, Mark. And anything they can do to standardize and error-proof what it is they're doing will help reduce those premiums. And in fact, one of our clients has received significant reductions on the cost of their professional liability insurance because they have adopted standard practices. They've created checklists that actually reduce the risk of errors and it's those errors that give rise to costly lawsuits from unhappy clients. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So consistency and using the lean tools to drive consistency is is really um, powerful. Sure. So you know, talk about um, waste and, and cost. Um, you know, one, one thing we struggle with in healthcare is you know that two thirds of a hospital's cost is labor, and so traditionally executives have when when they talk about reducing cost, they default to thinking about reducing labor. And we, we know, you know, with the lean approach, if we're trying to engage everyone in process improvement, that uh, the, 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 the fear of layoffs, understandably, um, keeps people from wanting to participate. A lot of lean healthcare organizations are uh, 
putting forth and, and following through on some form of a no layoffs due to lean philosophy. Um, what, what do you see maybe in comparison in, in law firms, the, the types of waste or cost reduction that's actually achieved? Where's that coming from? Well, it, it's coming. It, it, certainly, if some if someone is not needed for a particular job, there may be an impact on on human resources. But really, there is so much work to be done in law, and there are so many different elements that what it is that we're uh, you know seeing is that people are doing things more effectively and, and, and efficiently. Um, yeah, I'll give you a concrete example. So. Um, acknowledging that what we're doing is kind of cutting edge there aren't a lot of people who are applying lean to law you can't look at a at a, at a big pool as you might in the automotive industry and say well you know they they saved uh you know 700 million dollars on this transaction as a result of lean initiatives but there are some firms that are investing significant time and energy in lean six sigma and they're seeing real benefits without cutting personnel mm -hmm. so you know i'm going to give you an example matt hunneville He's the founder and managing partner at the Hunnival Law Firm in, in Charlotte, North Carolina. That, that's a, a, a real estate firm that focuses on high volume practices such as default and real estate closings. All right. Mm -hmm. And they have approximately nine attorneys, but they have a staff much larger because some of the work that they do is, is really volume based. It's fixed fee. They have a staff of 70 people. Now, rather than getting smaller, uh, Matt's seeing his business grow rapidly, and he's embarked on a whole lean journey with his firm. Starting in, in January of 2013, Matt began, began a project to see every member of his firm, from the administrative and business staff, right through the paraprofessionals, so paralegals and people like that, law clerks, right through to the lawyers, including himself as the founding managing partner, formally trained in Lean Six Sigma. The formal classroom curriculum, which was developed in conjunction with the University of North Carolina at Charlotte, spans five weeks and is followed by a Greenbelt certification project. And, and that project, Mark, is, is based on real-world, real-time processes and procedures used every day within the firm. Mm -hmm. The firm has recently concluded its second round of classes, and about 15% of, of lawyers and staff now have green belts or higher certification. And it's expected that more than 70% of Matt's lawyers and staff will be certified by the end of 2014. And, and, and he is going down this path of training and growing his firm because Lean Six Sigma is actually creating benefits um, incredible benefits. They just completed their first round of major Lean Six Sigma projects and Matt reported to us a, a week or two ago that as a direct result his firm shaved an amazing 94% off their timeline on foreclosure notices filed. Yeah. So that means they went from taking approximately 136 days to file foreclosure notices down to 8.1 oh, days over great. a span of only 10 months and they worked on a, about 1,100 files. So this was an incredibly mm -hmm. huge savings for them. And as a result, their, one of their clients is the third largest mortgage servicer in the US. That client has over $700 billion in assets under management. And they've come and asked the Hunnival Law Firm to serve as not just a legal advisor, but to act as a de facto outside process improvement consultant, advising that mortgage service on ways it can improve its own internal processes. And, and, and obviously, it's clear that Matt Hunnival's 
data and metric-driven Lean Six Sigma management approach is yielding real results and, and the market's responding. Mm -hmm. But let me bring you back to my reference at the beginning of our conversation, Mark, to, to Borden, Ladner, Gervais. They started in their real estate, uh, sorry, in their litigation group, uh, trying to find ways that they could work with one of their premium blue chip clients to provide them with a better, with better cost predictability. And so what they did was they mapped the typical type of litigation file that they were doing for this client. And they had a whole lot of repeat business from this, uh, from this client. And they, they mapped the process, and over the course of, of a number of months, detailed discussions with the lawyers and the in-house lawyers uh, from the client, uh, as well as members of management from the client, they were able to optimize this process in a way that allowed the law firm to say, starting January 2013, client, we're going to offer you a fixed fee for this work that, you're, that our competitors are charging you by the hour for, and, and we know that you're going to get great value and we're going to make good money. Why? We know that because we've just spent the last six months working with you to optimize the process. That was so successful, Mark, that now, uh, you know, a year later, plus plus, the law firm, and this is a national law firm of, of great reputation, has mapped and optimized 30 to 35 yeah. different transaction types within the firm. And and now partners are using the fact that they've optimized so many different transaction types as a marketing tool. They go out there and they say, okay, so so Mark, you're, you're interested in doing an M&A transaction and you're looking at our firm and maybe three or four other firms trying to find the best deal. Well, here's how we're going to do the transaction for you. Yeah, they we actually work through the map with, with the potential client and say, this is how we do it and these are the different options and this is how we price it and this is how come we know mm. we can give you this service for X. So, I, you know, you ask a very insightful question. That is, how do you get over that sort of concern that lean means cutting headcount? And the answer is, in law, we are, we are a long way away from, from needing to cut people. Let me step back. The global economic meltdown has really thrown a wrench into the traditional mm -hmm. workings of law firms. And there are law firms that have shed tons of people. You know, it, relatively speaking, law has always been a growing industry. It's cyclic. When when the M and A economy is down, then the bankruptcy and insolvency practice is up. Okay. When when real estate purchases are down, um, people are amalgamating and consolidating uh, real estate portfolios. So law kind of gets it in circles and roundabouts. One practice group may be up, another practice group is down. But generally speaking, law has been a growing business historically. So yeah, the economy is not very good, and some law firms are having real difficulties finding enough work to keep them busy. When they turn to lean, they find ways that they can improve what they do in a way that is going to bring them more work. So they're not having to cut people. They're actually able to keep their people, or in some cases, mm -hmm. they need to take on more people, perhaps in different categories. Perhaps they're not all senior partners. Maybe the work is more routine and commoditized. And by people. yeah, by analyzing the mm -hmm. waste and optimizing the process, they see that work that you, Mark, as a as a person who bills a thousand bucks an hour, can actually push a classification, a category of work down to someone who's really just trained as a paralegal. Right. And they right. can do it 
at less cost in less time because it's what they've always done. Yeah, I mean, it seems like there's clear parallels there looking in a hospital of what a nurse is doing that should actually be done by a nurse, uh, what a surgeon should be doing that, you know, surgeons or anesthesiologists are doing things that anesthesia techs should be doing. Um, I could see where in a, a fee for activity environment, there's no incentive for lawyers to, to, to do things that aren't really lawyer work if they're able to bill for it. But I can see we're in a flat fee environment. Now you're getting back to your point about having to find the more cost-effective way of getting the work done and, and getting it done in a better way. That's, you know, those it's, are clear it's, connections. Yeah. Exactly. And it's really the clients that are driving this whole, uh, th this whole transition in, in law firms. Mm -hmm. I also, I just wanted to jump in and say what you just said about healthcare applies absolutely to in-house counsel as well. When we talk about lean in the context of an internal legal department, obviously they're not billing by the hour, but frequently you've got very senior lawyers doing jobs that should be done by paralegals. Mm -hmm. And when we talk to them about resource allocation and, and making sure that you are utilizing your talent in the most effective way, we talk to them about pushing that work down, pushing it down to a paralegal so that really the company is getting value for money from that very senior attorney and the work is being done by the people who are actually the most appropriately trained. Well, let me just add a little bit, uh, just uh, if you bear with me, Mark, on mm -hmm. this, but you know, in the case of an in-house legal department, there's increasingly a, a trend uh, for people to refer matters to the in-house legal department, not because it's really a legal matter, but because they want the stamp of approval from the lawyer. So if something goes horribly wrong, they can point the finger and say, well, you know, the lawyer told me it was okay to do it this way. And the reality is, having been in an in-house counsel position for half of my career, the reality is that a lot of work isn't legal and should be pushed back to the business unit and never even come to the law department. So when we sit down and we map out transactions that are being done within an in-house legal department, what we find is that there's an awful lot of um, over-utilization of, of the legal department in, in areas which just don't warrant it. So mm -hmm. professionals don't need to be involved, push it back to the business types or the technical types in the research and development group, uh, and, and therein lies a huge source of efficiency. And, and while we're not talking about profits per equity partner, the CEO, the CFO, and certainly the shareholders are looking at the significant salaries being paid to some of these in-house lawyers and saying, okay, where's the value? Mm. Are we really justified in spending $300,000 a year for this in-house counsel's work when she's spending a lot of time doing work which really isn't of a legal nature at all? So by analyzing what they're doing and, and, and identifying and evaluating and eliminating different types of waste and focusing on the proper allocation of work by uh, ability, by making sure the subject matter experts are really the ones that are doing this stuff, we can drive efficiencies in legal departments and therefore reduce the budgetary constraints they're under. And there's a group of people, Mark, who are under huge pressure to cut heads mm -hmm. because, you know, in this very um, litigious environment, uh, legal departments are are finding themselves under growing mandates and responsibilities which reach beyond the traditional realm of law, but they're under huge pressure to perform to or below budget, and therefore there's pressure to cut people. And by applying the philosophies of lean, we are able to help in-house counsel clients better balance what 
Trevor Four, mm -hmm. who is the uh, global general counsel for Ernst & Young out of uh, England, calls the triangle of legal mm -hmm. imperatives. And that, you know, that's balancing, on, on the one hand, uh, compliance and client satisfaction. Client here means the business units and sure, coverage sure. with um, the, the headcount costs, salaries and the like. And in the other corner of the triangle, net cost. Net cost isn't just the cost of the salaries, Mark. It's the cost to the business of uh, fines, penalties, lost opportunities, because if coverage drops, if respect for the, 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 the legal provisions uh, falls away, then you're going to have uh, clients, customers, and other people suing you. Mm -hmm. and, and that has to be wrapped into the cost. So lean helps to balance those three competing um, elements. Yeah. Um, one, one other uh, just kind of random question before we um, start to wrap up here. You know, we've been talking about lean and, you know, that's generally the focus of you know, my, my interviews and podcasts. You mentioned Six Sigma. I'm curious, are, are people using statistical methods that we would generally consider Six Sigma in, in the course of, lean, of legal process improvement work? Is it mainly lean methods? What, what are you seeing? We, we really see mostly lean. When you start talking about statistics or metrics even with, uh, with lawyers, their eyes just glaze over. Mm -hmm. uh, it's very difficult to talk about, about anything to do with Six Sigma with them. We just don't focus on that. We, really, it, we find that it puts people off and they just can't imagine that type of thinking being applied to law. So rather we really think and talk and teach and facilitate in terms of, of lean and eliminating waste and increasing, increasing value. There's less emphasis on statistical analysis of tack time and things like that because we've just, we find it, it doesn't work. Sure. Well, and, you know, kind of as, as we wrap up here, um, you know, we, we want to touch a little bit on, uh, you know, how widespread lean is in the legal profession. I mean, Karen, um, question for you in terms of even getting people started with lean, there's, there's the obvious, um, you know, kind of a question or hesitation or objection that comes back. I'm sure people say, well, uh, we're, we're not building cars. Every case is unique. Every client is unique. You can't turn what we're doing into a process. I mean, how, how do you try to get past that, that kind of, you know, kind of gut level resistance? It's understandable resistance about, well, we don't build cars. Yeah, that's one of the reasons that we don't actually talk too much about Lean Six Sigma, because people do tend to associate that with manufacturing. Lawyers traditionally have seen what they do as an art, so it is a bit of a struggle to get many of them to see what they do as a process, but really most things in law are processes or they're parts of a process. But we find lawyers tend to, to, to be a bit threatened by any suggestion that what they do is, is a process as if that might cheapen what they sure. do. So mm -hmm. what we do really is we, we break it down. We look at any kind of large transaction that might happen in a firm. So let's say we're looking at an acquisition. And we try to identify the routine elements that happen every time, like due diligence or drafting or title verification. And while we're doing that, we also acknowledge the important creative elements, the places where lawyers are adding that incredible value that clients are willing to pay for, because those are really important steps in the process. But they are steps. There are places for that type of creative work to happen. And then we, we work with lawyers and map out a process. And when they start to see a transaction as a map, they can see that it's a process and they start to see the value in making that map as efficient as possible. That's not to say that they're always open to seeing their own work in terms of a process or thinking about waste. Mm -hmm. um, we find frequently when we're talking to lawyers, we get this 
response, which is, you know, what I do is really lean on. I'm very efficient in my own practice, but my partner down the hall needs help. Right. Uh, but all of them are quite open to seeing processes and waste on the administrative side of a firm. So yeah. let, let me give you let me give you an example and make this a bit more concrete mm -hmm. in terms of waste on the administrative side, Mark. When we teach about waste, obviously we cover the eight classic forms of waste in lean. Right? Right. And, and we give concrete examples that are relevant to law. We can't talk about manufacturing examples because they're not, they're not mm -hmm. um, applicable. Now, as part of our exercise, when we've covered all the different forms of, of waste and given examples, we then divide the participants in our, in our workshop in, into small groups. And we give each one of them a different category and ask them to identify examples within their own work. And you know, at one law firm a while ago, a, a group came up with a great example of, of waiting motion and inventory waste. T to print one document at the main printer, uh, a secretary or a legal assistant would have to push nine separate buttons. But to print two or more documents, they only have to push two buttons. So, so what does everybody do? Well, they, they wait until they have a lot to print and, and they batch their work. Yeah. The result is obvious, right? Long queues at the printer and delays in completing work. But, but there was also a serious interruption for the partner whose office was closest to the printer. Yeah, and I think we should explain a little bit why that was such a disruption for that partner. The firm has an open door policy. So when people lined up to print their batches of documents, they started chatting. The printer for that firm had become this proverbial office water cooler where everybody got together to talk. So the partner would have to block out the noise. He'd get up and he'd close his door. But then one of his partners would notice that his door was closed and come in to see what the problem was because they only close their doors if there's a problem. And then a couple more partners would notice that people were meeting in this office and before he knew it, he'd have five or six of his partners standing in his office asking him what the problem was. And all he was trying to do was block out the noise and get some quality work done. Obviously printing is a, it's a critical administrative process for any law firm. And through that particular training exercise, it became clear to everyone that this firm's printing process was flawed and that it needed improvement. But luckily, because of the way we structure our sessions, the head of IT was also in on the training session. Mm. He actually had no idea that this was a problem. And he said, but I can fix that. I'll get right on it. So suddenly, the entire group, even the skeptics, could see the value of hunting for waste, identifying that waste. And then they were well on their way to understanding that there was great potential in lean. And it was actually a perfect example <clears throat> of incremental improvement on the administrative side. Mm -hmm. Well, I can imagine once benefits um, are known and once things kind of spread maybe within a firm and throughout the profession, it, it, are, are there kind of good success stories, David, that are, are leading to lean um, becoming um, something that more law firms are looking at? How would you characterize, you know, here mid to late 2013 of, of um, how widespread at least knowledge about lean is, if not implementation? Well, so... You know, lawyers tend to be very conservative. They like tradition, they like precedent, mm -hmm. and, and, and they love the status quo over change. But everything did change in 2008 when the economy tanked and clients looked at their enormous legal bills and said, whoa, enough is enough. Growth in most practice areas, as we said earlier, is flat or even declining, and the pressures from clients uh, is mounting as firms look for ways, uh, you know, to adapt to the changing marketplace. Uh, you know, there's this new legal landscape that they have to uh, adapt to. And so interest in lean business improvement strategy 
is growing. Yeah, we're seeing firms from of all sizes, really, across Canada, the U.S. and the U.K., starting to show interest. More and more conferences are happening, but we get calls every week from mm-hmm. people organizing conferences or from law firms themselves asking for information. And we're seeing particular interest at the full-service, mid-sized firm level. Those are the small to mid-tier firms that are maybe 50 to 150 lawyers. And when you add in the staff, maybe it's 200 to 300 people. Those firms are under the most competitive pressure in today's market because there are more of them and because the pool for quality work for them is really limited. So we do see a lot of interest coming from them. There are some big firms that are are very uh, interested in lean and that are adapting, uh, adopting lean. Certainly SafeArth in Chicago has been a leader in lean for law. BLG that David mentioned here in Canada is also doing it. Some other Canadian firms are. And we have clients that include some of Canada's leading national and international firms that are really starting to take a, a good look at lean. We definitely see that there's this demand for efficiency coming from clients. And because all firms have clients, after this global economic meltdown, all firms are under this increasing pressure to deliver better quality service in less time at less cost. But but let's be honest, you know, we we are a, a ahead of the curve. There are people. So SafeArth and Shaw, Karen mentioned from Chicago, they really are the pioneers in the application of lean to law. They started down this road eight years ago and really were outliers for a long time. They now have a, a, a group of, of 18, I think it is, um, consultants and advisors who don't practice law but rather advise clients uh, on, on how to import and adapt and adopt lean within their own organizational structures. But, you know, we may be ahead of the curve, but lean clearly offers concrete benefits for firms and for legal departments and most importantly for their clients. Those are the folks that are driving the change. But because lawyers tend to be conservative, they tend to look around and say, well, who, who else is doing it? Uh, uh, they're not early adopters. They're not quick to, to jump in and say, wow, let's be the first to innovate. One thing we haven't mentioned yet is that when we, well, we talked about a little bit about adapting lean to law, we've really had to get avoid to the lean and standard Six Sigma terminology because lawyers' eyes glaze over. So what we've really done is tried to tie it into some of the hot topics today. Um, pricing, we talked about a little bit already how lean and process mapping and optimization can really help firms with pricing. But project management is another huge hot topic right now mm-hmm. in law. I know a number of firms are setting up project management offices and they're trying to get their lawyers to adopt traditional project management approaches, but they're encountering a lot of pushback. And in fact, at this um, this ILTA conference that I mentioned earlier, one speaker reported that firms with project management offices see increased IT costs, but they're not seeing any returns on that investment. So you have to wonder why. And I think it's because lawyers are busy. They don't want to add another layer of work on top of what they already do. And many of them are actually pretty good at managing their files. They manage their timelines, deliverables, and workflows. It's, it's what we do as lawyers. So they already feel they're managing their projects and don't want this overlay of someone else's system. So what we stress is really, if you want to see some benefit to project management, you've got to start with the processes. So there's no point in being a great manager <laughs> right. of an inefficient project. You've got to stop and and look at the underlying processes and optimize those first get rid of the little annoyances like the printer that takes nine buttons to print right then you've got lawyers and clients that'll see real benefit then you can bring in the additional ideas of project management so so there are firms mark that are um deploying adapting and deploying lean uh for for their 
their practice, whether it's specific to the way law is practiced by the professionals or the way that the administrative and business operations uh, support uh, and deliver the services that are the foundation for, for the rest of the operations. Um, because, uh, you know, lawyers are always looking at what their competitors are doing as the safeguards the Hunnevilles and other law firms go forward and actually have some real successes, the benefits that they're seeing are going to motivate other law firms to look for ways to improve what they do. Right, right. Many lawyers misunderstand, Mark, the goals, the relevance, and even the value of programs pitched at increasing efficiency and targeting cost and waste. But as I said earlier, it's obvious it's not about cutting the cappuccino or reducing headcount. <laughs> Mm -hmm. It's really, it's about creating value for the firm and for its clients. And importantly, in today's economy, what's critical is distinguishing your firm from your competition. Because if you take lawyers, if you take law firms in a certain band, let's say they're the top tier, the M Law 10 or 20 right. or 50. You know, speaking as a client of, of or former client of sophisticated legal services, when I look at firms in the same tier, generally speaking, they're all awesome. They are highly qualified with great experience. So the, the, there's no real divergence in the quality of the product they're delivering. There's certainly very little divergence in um, the cost, the price. <laughs> they're all charging, you know, between 600 and uh, 1200 bucks an hour. What really matters now what distinguishes one law firm from another is the quality of the overall service experience. And, and we know that in terms of lean, right, customer satisfaction is king. And, and that brings us back to the identify, evaluate, and eliminate core waste. Right. The pressure to reconnect value with the high cost is what's driving everything. And, and so we see an increasing number of law firms as well as in-house counsel departments looking at lean and significant you know business improvement strategies that are comparable to lean and 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 interest is growing in this particular area yeah. you know we these are really challenging times for law firms sure there are a lot of people still making a lot of money but there are a lot of firms that are struggling but they're also really exciting times for us we're seeing increasing activity because because we are part of the profession, we are lawyers, we've, we've experienced it from the external advisor's perspective and also from the point of view of clients purchasing sophisticated legal services from all around the world. And what we do is we, we really bring it down to common sense. Mm -hmm. Lean is about improving what you do so you can do it faster and better and cheaper. And there's lots about the business and practice of law that can be improved. Yeah. Well, great. Well, thank you so much for sharing you know, some of what you've discovered, what you've been working on, what you're helping promote it. I hope um, you know, the conferences and success stories and to some you know, even small extent on this podcast here help um, open people's eyes to um, you know, opportunities to help improve the legal profession, the business of, of law, and uh, to provide benefit for clients and customers. So um, Karen and David, thank you so much for um, talking with us today. As a final thought, um, if you can share some details, where can people find you online if they want to find your website and uh, find you on Twitter or other places? What do you suggest? Oh, we're both on Twitter. You can, and we have a website. Obviously, you can go to gimbalcanada.com, G-I-M-B-A-L Canada.com. You can find out everything about us there. We have lots of our, our information about what we do, our services, information about lean in law, 
We're regular bloggers. Yeah, uh, we have a, our, our blog is there. So you can find a lot about us on the website. You can follow us on Twitter, at Karen Skinner, or at David F. Skinner. And there is a Gimbal Twitter account as well, at Gimbal Canada. It's usually me that tweets for Gimbal. So you'll probably get it twice if you sign up for both. <laughs> mm -hmm. And we, uh, we have a Facebook page too. So we're, we're there, we're on the web, and we would be delighted to talk to anybody who wants to know more about lean and law. We think social media is, is very powerful. And in fact, if I'm not mistaken, Mark, we met you across social media. So We did. So across social media bound, uh, boundaries, across borders, um, from, from here in the U.S. up to where you are in, in Montreal. And, and you're working... Um, down on the side of the border as well. So I'm glad, you know, social media makes those connections and I'm glad we've met and hope to continue the conversation with you. Absolutely. Mark, it's been a lot of fun. Thank you very much for your time and, and for giving us this opportunity to tell you a little bit about what we're doing in, in adapting Lean for, uh, for the legal profession. Thanks for listening. This has been the Lean Blog Podcast. For Lean news and commentary updated daily, visit www.leanblog.org. If you have any questions or comments about this podcast, email mark at leanpodcast at gmail.com.